0: Amen. There's a lot of things that are going on that aren't really going on in real life. They're going on inside your head. It ain't happening in real life. It's, it's, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. It's just happening in your brain. And your brain, your perception is creating a reality for you and for us. We all deal with the power of the mind. So I want to just uh, teach you today. Book of Proverbs, chapter 23, beginning in verse 6, says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but in his heart, but his heart is not with thee. I want to pull just a piece of that out in verse 7 of Proverbs 23, that first part, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. He thinks it. He believes it. He becomes it. And today I want to just teach to you on this subject, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Anybody ever said that to you? Who do you think you are? You ever said that to anybody? Who do you think? Has your inner person ever said that to somebody? Because sometimes we don't say it out loud, but we think it. Who do you think you are? The power of perception is that perception becomes reality. And I'm going to show you in the scripture throughout this lesson today that a lot of our issues are just right here between our ears. It's just right here. It's it's not happening in real life. It's not true. It's not legitimate. But because we think it is, it is. Amen. Let's pray today. God, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us all to this place for this time and this season. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, our minds, our spirits. God, grow us, educate us, teach us, God, mature us in your word. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the glory. And the honor for it. Everybody, said in Jesus' name, Amen. In Jesus' name, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. It's great to have all of our guests here today. Can we give all of our guests a big round of applause? We are honored that you are here today. I will be um, acknowledging you again in our in our main service uh, today. But it's just an honor to have you. It's also good to have our good friend Penny with us this morning. She came down to visit. Everybody knows Penny, Amen. She's been a blessing to the church and. Amen. A blessing to us. Amen. Who do you think you are? The question this morning is an important one because whoever you think you are, that's who you are. Whoever you think you are, whatever you think you are, that's what you will become. Who do you think you are? There there's a battle Going on uh, in our in our world today it is a uh, in my opinion a spiritual battle and the reason I say is a spiritual battle because the Bible says this that God has not given us the spirit of fear amen but of power and a sound mind so fear fear is a spirit God has not given us the spirit of fear fear is not only an emotion, but it is also a spirit. Uh, I'm afraid of certain things in my life. There are certain things that I don't like to be around. Now, uh, I was in the military for many years, and I was raised with two brothers, and I, I come from a, you know, a country home where me and my brothers lived in the woods. Most of our you know, childhood, we lived in the woods. We came home from school and dad was like, I don't want to see you in this house until mama calls you for dinner. You better get out in the woods and do something. So the stuff that you may be afraid of, I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of snakes. I'll kill a snake in a minute. I don't care what kind of snake it is. I don't care if it's a cobra. If I got a machete, he's dead. Or a shovel. Or as Brother uh, Gentile saw me do one time, a, a, a golf club. Just tee him up. Bow. It works just as well. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'll just kill a spider. I mean, I am big. A spider is small. I will step on him. You know? There's some there's some stuff that a lot of people are afraid of. I'm not afraid of. I'm just not afraid of those certain things. I'm not i I'm not really afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of heights. Uh I'll the tallest building I've been I've been bungee jumping. I would love to jump out of an airplane. My wife will not let me. Um, I would love that. I would just love to go skydiving, Brother Claville, maybe Maybe you'll sneak me off one day. We'll go to the Sister Claville and say, mm mm-hmm. But they don't know I ain't going to hurt them. Ain't that right, Brother Claville? Hallelujah. Look, I got the, I got the thumbs up. Brother Claville, sky, old, old school skydiver. Some of y'all might not know that. It's, it's interesting to me. I would love to do it. I'm not afraid of that. However, I do have a fear uh, of horses. I don't like horses. If I never was around a horse again in my life, I'd be fine. Horses don't like me. They get nervous when I get, come around. Maybe it's the Native American in me. Like he wants to jump on my back and ride me. But I don't. I'm good. God made cars. Thank you, Jesus. I just don't, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I, I, I have conquered my fear as an adult and I'll, I'll go pet a horse and get close. I even ride one, but I am nervous the whole time. I don't like horses and horses can tell that. If if a horse knows you don't like him, he knows it. Just in general, just in general, farm animals don't like me. Just in general. One time me and my wife were at the state fair in North Carolina and walking through the agriculture area. And I was just walking and I made eye contact with a bull, a giant bull. His horns was, I mean, way past my arm span, a giant bull. And there was a man holding him with a rope. And I made eye contact with him, and when I did, that bull went crazy. He pulled that poor guy all around that place, threw him around, and I, just, I was running. He didn't like me. All them people in that room, when he saw me, he was like, that's the one I got to get him. And just farm animals in general, just really animals in general have a problem with me. Now, I'm not afraid of dogs. You know, a dog come barking the ground. I just stand my ground, bark back at him because I understand that if I run, he will get me. He knows. He senses fear. So there there's some things I've conquered, those fears that I've conquered in my life. I don't like monkeys either. <laughs> I have a story about, about monkeys, though. When I was about six, seven years old, I went to a, a little like petting zoo type uh, pet store in North Carolina where I'm from. And I was a bad kid, uh, just a bad kid. So they had a little uh, cage with a spider monkey in there, and I was at the cage making faces at him, you know, being a bad kid. Well, the spider monkey jumped from the cage, went through the rail, and grabbed my hair, (laughs) and started beating my head on the bam, 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 bam. That's a true story. I'm glad I can make your Sunday morning. You know, you was coming to a comedy show, did? So I like monkeys. We got, we got this thing again. We got this thing. But there are many fears in all of our lives. There's some people in the room that can't stand a spider. Can't stand a spider. And it's just a fear. It's in your mind. You're much bigger than a spider. Step on the spider. Brother Stuart Downs can't even stand the word snake. He's, is, is Stuart in the room? He ain't in the room, is he? Let me tell you how you can get him. Just, just go next to him and say snake. That's what you got to do. It ain't got to be one. It could just be the word. Just say snake. Snake! Stewart would be gone. You'll be standing alone. Just the idea of it. He is petrified of snake. We all have those fears in our life. We call them phobias. You know there's actually a phobia of gold? And I saw that the other day. I was, I'm, a, I'm a plethora of useless facts, by the way. So if you ever want to know a useless fact, just come tell me. But there is really people that are afraid of gold. They don't like to be near. They don't like to be around it. They can't touch it. It makes them break out in hives. They are, they are afraid of gold. There are phobias in our world that we're, we all have, people are afraid of water. If it's deep, they're afraid of heights. There's different things. But that's all happening inside your head. And, and while we understand those concepts of fear, we, we, we understand those natural concepts of fear and how that can control you and it, it it immobilizes people people that are afraid of heights they are immobilized by it they cannot uh, they, they cannot even move when they are when they feel like they're at a place of uh, that, that it's high there are people that are claustrophobic that are afraid of tight spaces and when they get in that situation the fear of that moment just takes over them they either can't move they can't breathe and really you who are not afraid of that Close uh, proximity space. It doesn't even bother you. You're fine with it. It doesn't even make you afraid. But them in the same place. In the same room. Because they have a fear of it. It literally takes control of their mind and their spirit. That's what happens in the spirit realm. When we allow fear to conquer our mind. Fear will immobilize you. Fear will take control of you. And it's not necessarily a fear of spiders or monkeys or whatever it may be. But the fear that the worst is going to happen. The fear that it's not going to work out. The fear that you're not in control anymore. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. And fear is a spirit as well as a common emotion. That fear becomes a spirit and will take control of your life if you allow it to. Now there are certain things I'm afraid of in my life uh, physically. But there are certain things I'm afraid of spiritually as well. I, I fear for my children's future. That, that's something that I worry about as a father. I, I fear about those things. I, and, and, and I should uh, care about them. But I should not let that fear control me. Amen. I should not let the fear of what I fear for my children control, control me to the point where I'm controlling them and not allowing them to be a kid because I'm just afraid. And that's a very common um, uh, example there. But there are many of us in the room today that we are controlled by fear. We bring that fear into our relationships. We bring that fear into our marriages. We bring that fear into a relationship between us and our kids. But some of us bring it in between us and God. that fear will not allow you to trust. Fear will not allow you to believe. Fear will not allow you to let go and let God. There's some issues in our life, ladies and gentlemen, that if God doesn't do it, it is never going to be done. that it, it, it will have to be a miracle. It will have to be a God thing. And there's an old saying, if you're going to pray, don't worry. And if you're going to worry, don't pray. That's a little easier said than done. Sounds good in a song, but it really don't fit into life that well because we are compulsive worriers. I I worry about things and, you know, I'm a a man. And so I'm I'm genetically predisposed to worry about some stuff in my life. That's what I'm supposed to do, worry about those things. But when that worry becomes fear and it controls my movements, it controls the way I allow people to love me and allow myself to love people. When it controls how I respond to my children, when it controls how I respond at church, when it controls how I respond to God. Now I've stepped over a boundary where I'm allowing worry and fear to control my mind. And it's not real. It's not real, it's not legitimate, it's only perception, it's not reality. But fear has a way of doing that. Fear has a way of taking a perception and making it a reality for you. And everybody around you can see that it's not true, but you believe that it's true. And because you believe that it's true, whatever a man thinketh, so is he. It's true, it becomes true for you. The rest of the world around you can see that it's a lie. The rest of the world around you can see that it's false. The rest of the world around you can see that this is not real. But in your mind, it's real. And so it is real for you. Hmm. It works both ways. It works both ways. There are some things that we think that are real, that are not real. And there are some things that we think that are false that are real. It can work both ways. I'll show you right here in the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 3. It says, for if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. There are some people that think they're really something, but they're really nothing. That goes for all of us in the room today. When I was just a young preacher and uh, things were opening up for me as 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 a man of God and and uh, traveling the world. And uh, it was fun and exciting. My, my grandfather was always a great voice in my life. And, and my papa, you know, he would always he he would always just say stuff. And, and when he would say it, you would realize he's talking to me, you know, and it, that, that's that's a. He's really trying to tell me something, but he was a great man, a sweet man, and I loved him with all my heart. But I remember when I was a young minister and just kind of breaking into, uh, you know, the world of ministry and doors were opening for me. And everybody kind of knew that this was about to be something big and something great. I remember my grandfather telling me, he said, court, never believe your own press. Never believe your, your own press. And then that stuck with me to this day, that at no point, no matter who says anything about me, or whatever the press release says, I have to remember who I am. No matter what they say about me, I have to remember that I'm still a man. I'm still a human being. Fame is in the eye of the beholder. It can't be in my heart. I always uh, tell young ministers and, and young people that are, you know, coming up in music, if they introduce themselves and I see they're doing great. I always tell them this. I always tell them, listen, you handle a compliment like a hot potato. You can hold it for a second, but you better drop it. Hold it long enough to say thank you for that and then drop it, because if you hold it, it'll burn you. And that Ego. Amen. We, we all have problems with our ego and you can take a compliment, but, but you better hold on to it for just a short period of time and you better let it go because it will burn you. We cannot believe our own press because as a man thinketh, so is he. And he said, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he only deceives himself. I can say the very opposite of that is true as well. That those of us that don't believe in ourselves at all, don't believe in our abilities, don't believe in our own calling, don't believe in our own ministry, you're deceiving yourself as well. Because if God has called you, then God God will equip you. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Amen. He's not. He didn't call you because you were good. He called you because he was good. Amen. He, didn't, he didn't anoint you because you were able. He anointed you because he was able. Amen. Amen. He told Abraham, you're going to have a son. Abraham said, I'm old. He said, I ain't worried about you, Abraham. Sarah overheard him saying she was going to have a son. She was old, 90-something years old. She was in the tent. She started laughing. <laughs> I'm old. I can't have a kid. Yeah, but I'm not giving you the promise based upon your performance. I'm giving you the promise based upon my ability to give it to you. And with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I know people that are talented, gifted, able, educated, and they would be awesome if they could for one day believe it. Just believe it. Just believe you are who God said you are. It's fear. Fear. Fear of failing. Fear of of coming up short. Fear of being laughed at. Fear of being ridiculed. Fear of being mocked. Fear of people who know your past. Amen? Fear that people won't receive you or respect you. Fear that you can't do it. Fear that your cover is going to be blown. Everybody's going to know every little detail of your life. That fear holds us back from ministry. It holds us back from anointing. It holds us back from serving. But it's not real. God has a plan for your life. And if God has... Filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If God has drawn you to him, then he loves you and he has called you and you're able through him to do anything. Be anything God has called you to be. Become any person God has called you to become. Now, I know there's some churches that take this a little too far. There's some preachers that would take this way too far and just say, you know, you can do anything. You can become anything and God's favored you and there's nothing you can't do. While I believe all of that, I also have to remind you that you must fall into the will of God for your life. You must fall into that will of God. And for some of us, God's will isn't the big house with the jaguar. It just is it? It's not God's ultimate plan. His ultimate plan is to save your soul. Some of us can handle winning the lottery. Most of us can't. You can't. Some of us can handle a raise. Some of us can't. Some of us can handle the new job. Some of us can't. God knows that. And sometimes we write our own ticket for God. Sometimes we sit down. And we write our own ticket for God because of our inability to believe in the word of God. Which also also leads back to fear. Because if God can't trust you with $10 on that $100 you made this week. He ain't going to let you win $10 million. Amen. amen? So sometimes we... Through fear because of our inability to see that God is a provider and our inability and our fear that we're not going to have enough. Our fear holds us back. In our mind, we can't see it. In our mind, we can't fathom it. We break out the calculator. We sit down and get the calculator out. We calculate and we say, it ain't enough. Yeah, it's not enough for you. But it's enough for him. It reminds me, I, I, I go back to the story all the time because it reminds me so much of the lady who was so afraid. Uh, she told the man of God, all I have is enough for me and my son to eat a cake and then we're going to die. I mean, this, I've already done the calculations. I've already measured the oil. I measured the meal. We're, you know, all we have is enough for one cake. Me and my son going to eat that cake and we're going to die. I can't give you a cake. But she got over her fear. And activated her faith. See anytime you conquer fear. That's called faith. The opposite. Of fear. Is faith. Because when you step past fear. You step into faith. And you say this is, this is scary. I don't know if God's going to do this. I don't know if God's going to make a way. But I'm going to step out on faith. Because that's the only way. I, that's the only way I can go. I step out of fear into faith. And the Bible says for over two years, that cruise of oil remained, and that meal in the barrel remained for two years. And she ate, her son ate, and the man of God ate. For two years, it was just enough. That's another thing, too, is that sometimes God gives us just enough, and we don't realize it. And we're waiting for the big miracle to happen, but God's saying... For a season, it's going to be just enough, and this may be your season of just enough. We all go through seasons of just enough. I've, I've been through seasons of just enough. Just, I mean, just enough to pay the bills and put food on the table, and it's just enough. I've been through those seasons in life when it's just enough. I mean, down to the dollar, just enough. But God said, if you can trust me in the just enough, you can trust me in the abundance. Amen. If I can trust you with just enough and during those times of just enough, keeping that tithe in my back pocket would have been nice. Keeping that tithe in my pocket could have meant a date night. Keeping that tithe in my back pocket could have meant a little more extra room to breathe. But I moved from fear to faith because I know God has got a principle. And if I let my mind control my actions, I would not have done that. Hmm. I didn't allow my fear and my mind to control me. I allowed the principles of God to control me. God, this is the principle, that if I bless you and I bring money into your house and I make sure the storehouse is kept, then you're going to take care of my house. And if I make sure I take care of your business, you're going to take care of my business. And God doesn't always bring abundance on day two. Sometimes it's two years of just enough. But that's a whole other message. Hmm. Romans 12, Romans 12 and verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Don't think of yourself too highly, but listen to me church, don't think of yourself too lowly either. Think soberly. Think soberly. For you to think too high is not good. For you to think too low is not good as well. Think soberly, evenly. I'm a man saved by grace. Paul said, I'm the chief sinner among you. I'm not better than anybody in this room. By no means. By no yardstick. Nobody can measure and say I'm better than anybody in this room today. I'm just a man just like you but I can't think of myself too lowly either and say I'm not good enough. A lot of times we are still believing other folks' words about us. A lot of times we are still believing what other people said about us. Why is it that a thousand people can tell you you can, but one person can tell you you can't, and you believe that one person over the thousand? Why is that? Why is that? It's because you want to believe the negative. You desire to believe it. It keeps you out of trouble. It's safe. That's why. That's why. It's because it's safe. I'm safe here. We all like our safe zones. And to step outside of our safe zone makes every one of us nervous. And what God God ain't never going to leave you in a safe zone, okay you're never going to be comfortable living for God. Let me just throw this out here and just and just set the record straight. if you're living for God and you're a true Christian and you're growing in him, you're never going to get to a place where you're like, man, this is so good you're always going to be either saying, "I need to do more or I need to do less or I need to move to the right and then move God is always going to be moving you he's always going to be pushing you always going to be messing with your life that's, that's i got Bible upon Bible upon Bible upon Bible for that. There's no place. There's no, I said this uh, just a couple Sundays ago. There's no such thing as retirement in Christ. You know, we live in a retirement generation. We live in a retirement community. We live in a retirement culture mindset that everybody's working for retirement. And so we have that retirement on our mind. But when, you, when it comes to God, it's like, I, I searched the whole Bible. I don't see retirement in there one time. You're always going to be moving and working for God. God, now you may retire from your job. Amen for that. Thank God that they'll let you retire. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. But God, it's not, on, it's not in his economy. He's always going to be moving you and, and working you here and, and working you there. And you're never going to be safe. God doesn't want you to remain in your safe zone. God wants to push you out to do more, to become more. Don't think of yourself too highly, but don't think of yourself too low. Think soberly. What do you mean, Brother Chavis? What does think soberly mean? What does it mean, think soberly? I think the Bible answers it for us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good of good report, If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know yourself better than anybody in the world. Only you know what you've done. You can sit at my desk and tell me all day your life story, but when you get up, you ain't told me a a pinch of it. Only you know who you are. So it's very easy for us to pick ourselves apart. I am my worst critic. I am. Nobody in this room criticizes me more than me. My wife doesn't criticize me more than me. There ain't a person alive that can criticize me more than me. I know how long I preached last Sunday. I don't know how long I taught in Sunday school. I keep up with it. I keep up with the time. I know what I preached. I criticize every word I say. I criticize everything I do. I can't hardly stand to watch myself preach because I sit there and criticize everything I say. Why did I say that? Why did I say it like that? Why did I have that inflection when I said that? I judge it. It's hard for me to listen to my own music, it's hard for me to listen to myself sing. I had to sit there a the whole time. I'm like, that was flat, that was sharp, that wasn't good, that was weak. Should have went back and redid that. It's bad. It's really bad. We are all our very own worst critics. We know ourselves better than anybody. So, how do I think soberly about myself? Whatsoever things are true about me, whatsoever things are honest, Just, pure, lovely of a good report. If it has any virtue, if it has any praise, I think on those things. I think on the true things. I cannot lie to myself about myself. It must be true. Amen? Lie to me, don't lie to yourself. Okay? Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie against your own conscience. It must be true, and it must be honest. I must think of myself honestly. I must not think of myself higher or lower than who I am. I must think honestly of myself. I must think justly of myself. If I would think justly of someone else, why would I not think justly of my own self? To think justly of oneself is to bring all, bring everything into view. I may have made a mistake in my life, But if I'm looking at someone else's mistake and saying, well, you know, just a bad time, bad season for them, wrong place, wrong time. Well, this 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 situation brings in a variable and this conversation brings in a variable. And that's why I made this mistake. That's just this called justice. That's what the Justice Department does or the the judge. He brings justice. He hears from both parties. Let me hear the, the story. You know, not just the activity. Not just the crime. Let me hear the story that surrounds the crime. That's to think justly of oneself. You may have made a mistake. But could you be your own advocate in the mistake? Wrong time, wrong place, bad decision, weak part of my life. Yes, I made a mistake. But who does it? Think things that are true. Think of things that are honest. Think of things that are just. And then whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, what's good about you? Could you write down a list of what's good about you? What, what, what good qualities do you have? What are you good at? Whatsoever things are of a good report? What have you done good? Is there any virtue in you? Is there any praise in you? If there is, think on these things. I think of true things about myself, honest things about myself, just things about myself. But then I also think think on the things that are good about me, the good things that I have done. I can't cut those out. Why would I cut those out of thoughts of myself? I would not cut them out thinking about you. Most of us give everybody else a pass, but we won't give ourselves one. Most of us will give everybody else the bird's eye view, but we won't give ourselves one. Who do you think you are? It's in your head. Who do you think you are? That's, that's the truth and reality for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading this last scripture and I'm done. In Acts 26 verses 1 and 2, Paul uh, makes a statement. This is near the end of his life. He, he, he is in captivity, and he is literally days away from having his head removed from his body. Agrippa said unto Paul, he said, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy. <laughs> I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. You're about to die, Paul. About to cut your head off. But we're going to give you a minute to speak for yourself. What do you have to say for yourself? Man, I'm happy. I think myself happy. I said this last week, happiness is killing us. We all desire to be happy. And we have to be happy to live life right. We we have to be happy. But if it is things that make you happy and material that makes you happy and the tangible that makes you happy, you're going to be sad. (laughs) You ain't going to be happy. You might be happy for moments, maybe a week at a time, maybe a day at a time. Maybe a month at a time, but you're not going to be happy. But if you have the ability to think yourself happy, you can always be happy. Everything's falling apart. Why aren't you sad? Because I think myself happy. Why are you happy? Because I know that all things are working out for the good of them that love the Lord. I mean, I know it's working out. You know, I know my Redeemer lives. That's why I'm happy. I know that he's in control. I know that he never seen a seed begging bread, never seen the righteous forsaken. I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know that if God before me, who can be against me? Amen. I know that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. There's some things that I know. There's some things that I don't know. There is. There's a lot of variables in my life that I do not know, and I wish I did. But if I focus on those things, I'm gonna be afraid. But if I focus on what I do know, I know this. Rejoice not against me, all mine enemies. For when I fall, I shall arise. Ha. For God is the righteous judge. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He said, I'm your Jehovah Jireh, your Jehovah Nisi, your Jehovah Rapha, and your Jehovah Shalom. I know that everything's going to be okay. If I stay with God, God's going to stay with me. And it may be rough right now. But I'm not going to let my mind wander and think up the worst possible thing that could ever happen in the world and sit in my room in the dark and be afraid of that one thing. But I'm going to think soberly on things that are true, on things that are right, on things that are just, on things that are pure. If there's any praise, I'm going to think on that. If there's any virtue, I'm going to think on that. You think on what you want to. You can think on the worst, but I'm going to think on the best. You can think on anything you want to. You can think on the worst possible situation. I'm going to think on the best possible situation. That's just how I choose to live. I think myself happy. Nobody likes to be around a pessimist. Even a pessimist don't like to be around himself. So I was always looking for the wrong. Just walk in and just in moments have all the negative worked out. Well, this is bad. This is bad. That's bad. I don't want to be around you. If that's you, we can't hang out. I will preach to you from this pulpit. I will pastor you the best way I know how, but we are not going out. We ain't hanging out. I will counsel you, but we're not going to eat together. There's a small time in this life I have to live, and I'm not going to spend or waste two or three hours on somebody who just wants to talk about every negative thing that could possibly be talked about. I don't have time for that. And if you're that person, you need to say, God, heal my mind, because that's, that's, that's in your head. It ain't real. It's in your head. God, heal my mind. Let me see the positive in my life. Are you breathing? Well, you got something to rejoice about. If you got up this morning and got on your own two legs and walked out of your bed and washed your body and fed yourself, then you got more to praise God about. than (laughs) Who do you think you are? Stand with me all over the room. I'm coming to a close. This is the power of thought and the power of your, your mind that you will become exactly what you think you are. You'll become that. The power of it is this, is that God will allow you to become what you think you can be. So I said, Pastor Chavis, I need to talk to you. I said, OK, let's let's have a conversation. Young man. He said, I feel like God has called me to preach. and I feel like God has called me to, you know, to be a minister. And I feel like God has called me to, to, to deep prayer and, and fasting. He said, I just want to be sure it's God, not my flesh. I said, what? He said, I don't know if it's God or my flesh or the enemy. I said, hold up. We know it's not the enemy. The devil ain't never called nobody to prayer, okay? So I know it ain't the devil. We can mark him out right now. And you're about 17 years old. So I know for a fact it ain't your flesh. I don't know any 17-year-olds want to give their life to God for the rest of their life and pray and fast. They want to play Call of Duty or be on Instagram taking selfies. Mostly. I said, I'm I'm, I'm fairly certain this is God. I'm about uh, 100% sure. It's God. If you feel like God is calling you to do something that is going to benefit the kingdom of God, benefit people of God, and benefit you as an individual, stop second-guessing it. It's God. The devil for sure ain't calling you to do nothing for God. And if I know my flesh like I know my flesh, my flesh don't want to do nothing for God either. But the Spirit says, I want to do this. God wants me to do this. God, God, God wants me to, to pray more. God wants me to, to, to be more involved. God, God wants me to, to take a position and get involved, get, put my hands to the plow, help people serve. That's God. That's never you. <laughs> Somebody said the first voice you hear is usually God. The second voice you hear is usually the devil. The third voice you hear is usually you. Trying to talk yourself out of what you God said in the first place, there's been several times in my life when I knew it was God, but I tried to play it off like it was myself. And I look back on my life and wish that I would have listened to that first voice from day one. I could have saved myself a whole lot of headache if I would listen to that first voice in my life. Amen. Let's pray together, God. I love you. I thank you for your word today, God. I pray pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.